So I was hoping we could talk about your, your new record, Oh Me, Oh My. Are you ready to do that? Yes, I am. <laughs> All righty. Very good. Uh, so uh, I know you, you worked with their producer, Jackknife Lee, and um, my, I guess start out by wondering how the two of you got to be working together and how you work together. Well, Jack Knife has been a friend of mine, and also my manager and Jack Knife had been communicating about maybe me getting out to Topeka Canyon and and cutting a record, mm-hmm. Topanga Canyon, and cutting a record, and it finally happened after. COVID kind of ceased and things started getting back to normal. Right. We was out in California and we had opportunity uh, to go and work with Jackknife. Okay. And so what kind of discussions do you have with Jackknife when you're talking about what you're going to do for this record? Well, we was interested in a few things. Mainly because of everybody that was a lot of the collaborators was still being hindered from traveling a lot so we did a, we did things di- digitally more right uh, I, I think that's a great thing because it just moved us into another uh, level of com- collaborating uh-huh. But we did it digitally, and everything was more like trials and seeing how would this work versus how would that work. Uh-huh. Our more mother were actually there in Venice Beach. Okay. So she had an opportunity to come into the studio uh-huh. and work both of us we work alongside each other oh that's cool but the other the other collaborators were more like all piped in okay yeah piped in right uh, and w- with these collaborators you, you mentioned more mother there's also michael stipe and sharon van etten and bonnie Vare. were you did, did was it jackknife who found them did you uh, contact them who knew who and how did they get involved with those songs it, it, it was kind of it was kind of two way thing some of them knew me and uh, were my fans and wanted to participate in on the new album sure yeah and some of them Jackknife knew and he asked them for their participation so it was it was more of a I, I call it a a worldly effort. Okay. Because the, the the music itself is more of a healing piece of music. It's he is music. The music is is me trying to sing things about the planet, about about the humanities of the planet, about us and our our new brain set in the digital. Right. And how we are making our different connections with our brains or with our brain production. Right. So the 
that was put together were like, wow, you know, they was they was right on time. Right. And I really enjoyed uh. participating. And was that um, concept because of the pandemic, or or did the pandemic just kind of happen anyway and kind of feed into what you were planning on doing for this for this album anyway? I, I, I think the pandemic fed into what we was doing uh-huh. because we it was so much that was going on during the pandemic, and also it was making the humans more fearful of yep. their lifestyles. It, I mean, it didn't matter what kind of lifestyles humans was having, whether they was rich or poor. Right. The pandemic didn't care right. whether we was rich or care whether we was poor. It was just hitting and bringing fear along with it. So I was actually taking that under consideration and also by us having to be a part and doing this new level of participation. Because, you know, I, I'm an artist. Yeah. First of all, I, I was demonstrating, and I was always interested in participation. But now we're having to do mostly things virtual anyway, so that's almost like proving to the virtual reality situation that we had to deal with that we can make things happen on the on the musical level just as well as we can make it happen on any other in, in, entertainment level. Uh-huh. All right. So my understanding is that a lot of your lyric writing and songwriting kind of happens spontaneously in the studio is that true and did that happen if it is did that happen on this record as much as it did previously i i think it has always been happening uh-huh or uh, what what i cannot do is repeat myself and i try not <laughs> to even burden myself right to even make that happen right so bringing them, it's almost like extra, extra, read all about it. <laughs> Hear what Lonnie Hardy is going to have to play. Gotcha. So with a song like, um, oh, well, like the title track, Oh Me, Oh My, and you've got Michael Stipe in there doing his thing. How how did it get started? Was he, How did you get his parts in, inter, interacted with your parts? Um and who was in the studio well, with Michael's, you? Michael's parts and, and his lyrics was played to me, and I heard what he was doing, and then I laid down my tracks that they can uh, be enhancing uh, what he had already played, uh, plus also me thinking along the line of oh me oh my and how it had been used for generations are for us as African Americans, uh-huh. blacks in America, colors of America and the Negroes of America all the way through slavery uh-huh. oh me oh my were a 
was some words that was very, very special to our ways of surviving or hope for our further survival. Right. So, <clears throat> so when you go to perform that uh, in, on stage, you mentioned that you, you can't repeat yourself. So what happens? Are you recreating as, on stage constantly? I'm recreating for the for the moments. Uh huh. I'm there wherever I am. I'm having an opportunity to ride around in the communities or in that part of the world. I'm getting the opportunity to see and kind of feel our our growth as the humanity right how not only that is happening but I'm, I'm getting a chance to see and explain to the the audience of my fans but not so much of trying to make them listen at me but give them a bit of of this is today's update. Right. After the aftermath of storms, hurricanes, fires, yep. uh, earthquakes, uh, explosions, overheated concepts, <laughs> humans that's in bricks and, and uptowns that is built out of nothing but bricks and then they are having to survive and all, it's just so much of hurt, harm and suffering that is beyond just what we know as climate change. Uh-huh. If the climate is changing then the condition that it were wasn't like making everything as hot as they are. Right. Hmm. So what I'm saying is what you say, you know, you asked me the question. Yep. Uh, how is the, the work affecting our today? Yeah. And, and do you get up in the morning, listen to the news, read the papers, do whatever you do to gather information and kind of process it in your own kind of artistic way throughout the day? Because my feeling is that, just from talking to you now, that you're constantly creating, whether it's visually or musically. I'm, I'm always interested in what's happening around the planet. Right. Not so much just in my own, own community, yeah. but around the planet. I'm a global traveler. Uh-huh. And you find me... Uh, sometime you may, you may find me here in America. Next thing you know, Matt B. Dunn uh, got uh, a job for us to go and do outside of America. So we're constantly traveling the globe. Uh-huh. And that means I am experiencing uh, a lot more than the normal, well, I don't, I don't, I won't say 
I think I'm experiencing a little bit more than anyone else in my family. Yep. But uh, <laughs> my global family also, because my global family may be experiencing, but they may not be looking at things from my point of view. Right. Gotcha. Now, to, to get away from the lyrics for a minute and just kind of, th- I was thinking about the music, like on tracks like um, I'm a Part of the Wonder and Earth Will Be There, there's there's definitely a groove or a strong beat that's happening while you're vocalizing. And I'm wondering how much involved are you in the creating of that groove and that, that vibe? Well, I'll tell you one thing about that groove and those vibes. Yeah is that they make me reach deeper within myself to find the words that will mix with them. Right. That will come out and can go into people's ears and affect their emotions and allow them to feel comfortable with hearing what we have to say. Right. Because uh, I'm uh, just just as you mentioned, uh, I think for us to understand that we are a part of the wonder. It's an us. Us is a part of the wonder. Uh-huh. So I may say I am or my mother might say that we are a part of the wonder, but in the end, I end up saying us is part of the wonder. Right. That means the whole, the whole earthly body of humans is a part of the wonder. So we have to look out for whatever the changes of the wonders are. So that's a very inclusive way of thinking, which is not the way a lot of people think. Uh, hopefully, that's what. <laughs> Make Lonnie Bradley. <laughs> right, I got gotcha. you. Uh, now, uh, one song or one track on the record that has something else going on musically and uh, lyrically is Mount Megs, which uh, I'm sure is very personal to you. It's about you're growing up in the industrial school in Alabama, but also the the, the backing track is, is kind of out there as well. I don't know how much you want to go into it, but can you tell me a little bit about how it came together? I think Mount Meg is a look at where I come from, humans. Yeah. Look at what I experienced. Look at almost kept me from even being here for you all. Yeah. I could have been dead. I, I could have been beat to death. I could have been knocked out by these two grown men and then beat to death underneath that morning tree. Mm-hmm. And all these other things, Mount Meg was an introduction to itself. It, because there's a podcast out about it, because there's a movie out about my life and yeah. Mount Meg. Yeah. Because of all of these things that humans will continue to have to figure out, again, my life is like a puzzle or a maze. They would have to figure it out. I'm not just a, right. a simple artist that gets online and you got a bunch of stuff to hear from my activities during 
my musical career yep. to listen at. It's a lot that you have to listen at to figure out the story of my life. Mm-hmm. And Mount Meg played a big part of the ugliest part of it. Right. I mean, it must have taken a lot of courage and well, I don't know what to, to get, go from there to where you are now. Obviously, it was, you know, 50, 60 years ago, but even so, it's most people don't get there. You know, how do you do you do you have something to tell other people other than what you've said in your song about how to survive that kind of background? I, I, I think that's the whole key is that out of the many, a few, uh, many may come but a few may be chosen. Right. Out of the thousands and thousands of children that was in Alabama's industrial school for Negro children, uh-huh. it might not have been in the end, but three or four that lived it yeah. and survived it enough to tell the story, enough for people to pay attention that these people are evidence mm-hmm. of a treatment that was considered to be was considered to be with, without voices or without souls right. or, or without even being part of the humanity yeah, yeah. without values we, 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 we was considered to be Negro children right the lesser, yep. the lesser of the humanity, and so by by the by just the struggle with my art that had allowed William Arnett, Matt Arnett, and others to come along and say we want to show that Lonnie Bradley Holly Senior have been a prime example. Of what a brain can accomplish. Uh huh. Yep. Very Not just my brain, any brain. I think yep. if we gave any child uh, a chance, that child would be proud of him or herself, and they would look within themselves because it was always Uncle McElroy that kept shoving me and pushing me uh-huh. beyond boundaries to do more and more and more. Right. Now, now I see you've made a, a music video for uh, Kindness Will Follow Your Tears, uh, uh, which has uh, Justin Vernon helping you out musically, but you're, you're on the video painting, and I'm wondering, when we're watching the video and watching you on screen, what are you, what's kind of going through your mind when you're listening back to what you've recorded and you're kind of doing your painting thing? Well, again, it's it's a digital example. Uh-huh. It's a digital example that kindness will follow your tears. <laughs> if the video itself were made with an intent to show uh, that coming together with humans that was interested in 
making such a vid- video like David Reculio uh-huh. and Chris Stelling and Matt Arnett making this video, we had to take and take the moments to create out of black and white and bring it into a color setting where you could see from the black and white, from the black and white paint that was being poured into the paint buckets. Yeah. All the way through the canvas that we was working on, the possibilities. Not only the line, it, it was more, more like me wiping a line. Uh-huh. I was wiping a line, but the lines turned into human faces and eyes <laughs> and and children faces and faces facing each other and motherly communication between the child and the father and the child communicating with the parent. So it was a it was a wonderful constructed manner of this small amount of time that we had to create that. Gotcha. gotcha. And that's that's really what I think would would transfer tears into kindness. <laughs> All right. Because it was kindness that was continuing to push me uh-huh. on, on into the developing this painting. Hmm. Now, uh, are you already thinking about what you're going to do next musically? Or, or are you just concentrating on performing and talking about uh, Omi oh Omai? Oh uh, I think I'm going to be focused on what is at hand. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think we'll probably get up well, Matt will probably get up, Matt Arnett. Uh-huh. Uh, probably get up and tell people about my life, and then I'll just go to singing. Right. But I'll have to keep in mind the, the way I've gotten from where I were to here and make sure that I sing about William Arnett. Uh, somehow or another, you'll find it embedded in my lyrics uh-huh. or somehow or another what, whatever it is that I end up doing it would be a part of that 